0: Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday presented, of course, by DraftKings. We're already only two days away from the end of the week, from a Picks Friday, from a Winner's Friday. So hop on board the Winner's Train and go to at Ross Tucker Pod on Twitter and quote tweet any of the clips or any of the shows with any comment you want to make. About either one. We would love to see it. We would love to potentially retweet it. And we would love for you to be a winner. We will also have a sponsor confirmation email winner. So you can take advantage of maybe Freshly, these delicious meals I've been getting, or First Leaf if you're into wine, Masterworks if you're looking to diversify the old portfolio a little bit. And then the YouTube shout out, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker. NFL, which is always awesome. No new patrons today. A little sad about that. Patreon.com slash RT Media, but that's okay. We've had a bunch of new ones now. A lot of new members of the private Slack channel, the Tuckheads community, which is awesome. It's Big Show time. Tuck States. So there actually is no Big Show, and I want to explain that to you. Been a while Wild couple days, but in particular today, I had one guest lined up, but they had um voice issues. So then I had another guest lined up, and last night I got the call pretty late to fill in for Dan Patrick. So Jack and I are recording this at 6:05 a.m. Eastern Time. Then on Wednesdays, I fill in for Angelo Cataldi. The, the Philadelphia sports talk radio legend on WIP radio from seven to nine. And then from nine to noon today, I'll be filling in for Dan Patrick. So the guest was not able to do the second guest was not able to do this afternoon. Plus I kind of wanted to, I, I like to get the podcast out to you guys, right? Like I like to get it up and out. So you have it. So you have my thoughts. Um, As soon as possible. Plus, there's a bunch of emails from you guys that we haven't gotten to in a while. So, I wanted to be able to get to those emails, which is always cool too, because a lot of you take advantage of sponsors and then you send me emails. And I always think it's good content. I think the questions that you ask are good content. They're usually really good questions that other people might have, or I just find interesting or whatever. So, and we don't get to as many emails as I would like to on the show, so I kind of feel like it's good every once in a while to have a uh, a cleanse the email inbox day and get to a bunch of emails, plus there is a decent amount of tucks takes and news to get to, so anyway, that's why we're recording super duper early again today, and that's also why uh, there is no guests, no quote-unquote Big show. We're going to get to the tux Takes, and we're going to get
1: to some of your email questions, which we love. Let's do it. I'll oh, well, start. I hit the tux Takes button, so I guess we got to start because there hasn't been a take yet. We'll start with Jeff Saturday saying he should have called timeout after that third down on Monday night.
0: So this is going to be, Jack, today's Labatt Blue Tuck Take presented by Labatt Blue Light, the pristine Canadian Pilsner share a Labatt with friends this football season. This is interesting. So I like that Jeff Saturday did this. Ultimately, I like that he did this. And I think, number one, it would kind of be weird if there wasn't some growing pains for him as an interim head coach, right? It would kind of be surprising or bizarre if he was like a flawless head coach right from the start. That would be weird. That would not be a good look for all the other coaches out there that have been doing it their whole lives and that mess up. Would not be a good look at all for those guys. So I like that he said, look, learning experience. Made a mistake. In hindsight. What's interesting about it is it wasn't really, if you really dug in deeper, it wasn't really about the time part of it. It was about... You know the play call for Parks Frazier. He then had a a unique play call that he wanted, where the receivers had to switch sides. Well, by the time the receivers switched sides to get into the play call he wanted to call, well, then a lot of time went off the clock. So more than the actual time that went off the clock, Saturday in hindsight wanted to call the timeout just so they could get the a, a good plan and get set up for it. I think in his mind. He was thinking we have whatever it is, 40-some seconds, or at least high 30s, get the first down real quick, and then after we get the first down, then we can call a timeout. Well, it took them a lot longer to get lined up for that play and to be able to actually run that play than Jeff Saturday wanted. So, I'm not done yet, Jack. You can cut the clip there, but I'm not done yet there. So, a couple things there. Number one, I like accountability you know i feel this way we talked about this about zach wilson last week i like confident people who admit when they make a mistake or admit their shortcomings i like that a lot i think that's the right way to go about it in life and i think it's the insecure people generally who are a lot less likely to to admit when they make a mistake or when they're wrong or whatever. So kudos to Jeff Saturday for that. It is interesting. You know, he could have doubled down. He could have said, look, I did not want to save enough time for the Steelers to have a chance for a field goal on the other end. I wasn't worried about it. We had three timeouts. You know, if we get the first down there, if we block it up better and get the first down there. Then we're in a great position. And I, then we call timeout then and we got 25 seconds and we're at this yard line or whatever. But I like that he looked at it and said, no, you know what? I feel like we could have done better there. I feel like um, I feel like I, we would have been in better shape if I called timeout there. But I do think it's important that A couple other thoughts I have on this, actually. I think it's interesting that so many people Monday night, especially like NFL insider types, were so quick to kill Jeff Saturday for that clock management. It's almost like they have all these other contacts with assistant coaches or coaches over the years and they were just waiting, waiting for this moment to jump on what Jeff Saturday did and really be critical of it. I mean, it, there's part of me that wonders about that. It just felt like there was a lot of people that were looking. Now, in fairness, it's a Monday night game, it's the only game on, and it was a pretty egregious error. It was a pretty egregious, and there are other guys. Nathaniel Hackett, who have had issues earlier this year that didn't necessarily, you know, they also got a lot of criticism, right? Um, But I appreciate that Jeff took accountability. You know, if you're a former player and you're going to be preaching to the guys in the locker room about accountability, about responsibility, then you got to do the same thing. You got to own up to it when when you mess up. And I like that he did that. He said it called it a learning experience. You kind of kind of can't have it happen again. And I feel like he needs to figure out a way throughout the course of the rest of the season to get these guys to win some more games if he really wants the, the full-time job.
1: tux takes... Lots of injuries to get to. Let's start with Bucks right tackle. Tristan Wirfs out three to four weeks with an ankle sprain. Nyers running back Elijah Mitchell at six to eight weeks. Eagles safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out indefinitely after a lacerated kidney.
0: Okay. So Tristan Wirfs out three to four weeks. That's actually good news because it looked like it could have been a lot worse. I think we talked about this yesterday or maybe Monday with Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa trying to jump over the running back, it just feels like it could have been a lot worse for Tristan Wirfs. But still, for a Bucs team that's reeling, for a Bucs team that's really struggling up front, that is a big, big loss. That's a big loss. Because right now, he's like by far their best O-lineman. By far. So to lose your best O-lineman for essentially the stretch run, I mean, three or four weeks, but is he going to be 100% then? You know, how is he when he comes back in three or four weeks? And I got to look up. I don't even know who they even have to fill in. I can't remember who went in for him, but I don't even know who they have to fill in for him at this point. Um, because they're already so banged up and depleted on the offensive line. It's just, that's rough. Josh Wells, who's pretty solid, can hold it down. But this is another one of those instances where it's like, if they get another injury, then that's really, really concerning. As for Elijah Mitchell, this is a major loss. This is a major loss for the Niners. You know, all these teams actually, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's a big loss for the Eagles as well. But, you know, we're getting to the stretch run here. Six to eight weeks, Elijah Mitchell is, that's like missing playoff games. And the thing is, is when they got McCaffrey, the Niners felt comfortable to trade Jeff Wilson. Because they thought, oh, okay, we got Elijah Mitchell, we got McCaffrey. Well, now, now they've got McCaffrey, who's banged up himself. If you notice, he's not really a hundred percent himself. And then no Elijah Mitchell for six to eight weeks. Then after that, they have two rookies: Jordan Mason, who's a rookie from Georgia Tech, who played last game; um, Tyrian Davis Price from LSU, who's a third-round pick, who I guess is behind Jordan Mason. So, obviously, they need and want to get those guys ready. But as far as we know, it feels like they're a pretty big drop-off from Elijah Mitchell. That's going to hurt the Niners. They didn't run the ball very well against the Saints. It's part of the reason why they only won the game 13 and nothing. And now they're not going to have Mitchell for a long time and, and McCaffrey's banged up. And they got to be really careful with McCaffrey's usage. So all is not well there in uh in San Francisco. And then the Chauncey Gardner Johnson, you know what I think, Jack, was interesting. I, I, I tweeted at Pro Football Doc, Dr. Chow, yesterday. Um, at Ross Tucker, or he's at Pro Football Doc. You guys know I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. But tweeted at him, because I guess I am, I was curious how long you're out with a lacerated kidney. And he said, it depends on how bad it is. So there's different, there's different levels of lacerated kidney, just like there's different levels of like an MCL sprain. It can be grade one, grade two, grade three. Your lacerated kidney, there's different levels of it, of how bad it could be. Sounds like he'll be back by the playoffs. But whether it's like a two-week thing or a five-week thing or whatever, just depends on how bad he did it and how fast it heals. I think that's something they can check on the scans. But, you know, one of my thoughts, Jack, looking at this is like, on the one hand, how does that happen? Like, right, like how do you lacerate a kidney – Inside your body, especially when you're the defender delivering a blow, it just seems like it would be hard to happen. um On the one hand, on the other hand, since we know it can happen, to me, it's like, well, I'm a, I guess I'm a little surprised it doesn't happen more often, right? Like, if this is a thing where you can lacerate or hurt an internal organ with all the shots that like running backs take. You know to the side i guess quarterbacks wear the rib protectors or whatever but all the shots that quarterbacks take i'm like surprised that or that running backs take i'm surprised that those guys don't end up having more you know more internal organ damage kidneys or whatever with some of the shots that they take tux takes
1: Cards left tackle DJ Humphries and Vikings cornerback Andrew Booth are both on IR and it's done for the year. So it's that time of year.
0: It's that time of year, especially. So as we get closer and closer to the end of the season, more and more, this is just kind of like math, right? It makes sense. But as we get closer and closer to the end of the season, more and more of these injuries become season ending injuries, right? Like, in fact, like the Elijah Mitchell thing, I guess if the Niners weren't looking like they're probably playoff bound, that would probably be a, a season ender for Elijah Mitchell. Six to eight weeks. I mean, at most, there's six weeks left in the season, right? We're going into week 13, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So, but they might make the playoffs, so now that's probably the goal is to try to get Elijah Mitchell back for the playoffs. Um, But Humphreys, again, that the DJ Humphreys conversation is a lot like the Triff's and Worf's conversation, which is that Humphreys is probably like their best O-lineman. And it feels to me like they can ill afford for DJ Humphreys to, to miss. So, What appears to be like a lost season for the Cardinals is getting even worse by the minute. And then for Andrew Booth, you know, he's a young player. They took in the second round, but he had been playing for them in Minnesota. So they've got other guys, but it's still less than ideal. But this is like, this is pro football. This is what the season's like. You know, think about all these playoff contenders we're talking about, right? The Eagles with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the Vikings with Andrew Booth. So now it'll be Peterson and Chandon Sullivan, Evans, Duke Shelley will be the guys playing for them. You know, we mentioned Elijah Mitchell. It's the guys that get banged up for the teams that going
1: to the playoffs makes a big difference. Tuck takes Chiefs signed running back Melvin Gordon, wide receiver Brian Edwards, 49 niner signed quarterback Janoris Jenkins, and the Bears signed safety Adrian Colbert replaced Eddie Jackson.
0: That's funny. It's it's Colbert.
1: I do – now you say I do remember where Stephen Colbert said he actually changed his name, like the pronunciation of his name. But I didn't know if it was Colbert, so I just stuck with what I know.
0: No, I I think that's funny because you know Stephen Colbert, so you just thought it was the same. Yeah, I mean, look, you wouldn't know unless you knew. So that's fine, but it's Adrian Colbert. Um, I didn't know Stephen Colbert changed the pronunciation of his name. That's interesting. Um, All right, so – the Chiefs actually also signed Brandon Williams, uh, the defensive tackle. I just saw that earlier this morning. This is the Chiefs, like, not messing around. This is the Chiefs gearing up for the postseason and making sure they're loaded up. Melvin Gordon is a known commodity. Melvin Gordon, now, the, the fumble issues have been an issue. But they want to make sure that they've got depth and ability at as many positions as possible. This is why I really think Brett Veach does a good job and why I really think this is smart. They've got Pacheco, who they like. They like McKinnon. I don't think they really like Ronald Jones. I think there's a chance that they get rid of Ronald Jones once they get get Melvin Gordon up to speed. Or, or at least play Melvin Gordon ahead of Ronald Jones. I just don't think they're a big fan of Ronald Jones. He, you know, he's been inactive a lot. I just, I just don't think they think he's very good. And then at receiver, they already have a bunch of guys: Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Juju, Justin Watson, Valdez Scantling. But Brian Edwards at one point was really highly sought after coming out of college, South Carolina. Third-round pick, some people thought he'd be higher than that. People really, really liked Brian Edwards coming out. So, I think, um, I think it's just more of the Chiefs. For that one, they're probably more kicking the tires a little bit and seeing if he can help them. Brandon Williams, they just wanted another run stuffer. They know what it's going to be like in the playoffs against some of these teams. Potentially like the Titans. And what if Derek Nottie gets hurt? They don't really have another, uh, they don't really have another real run stuffer up front along the D-line. So they wanted to make sure they had some more depth there. So the Chiefs, much like the Eagles, was it last week or two weeks ago, signing Dominican Sue and Linval Joseph, the Chiefs are kind of gearing up to make sure they've got Guy's ready to go. Niners, same thing. Janoris Jenkins. You know what's crazy? Jack about – I knew Melvin Gordon was available. But, like, you almost forget Janoris Jenkins isn't on a team. You almost forget that, you know, uh, Brandon Williams isn't on a team. Or Brian Edwards isn't on a team. And then these teams are like, you know what? It's getting to be crunch time. It's getting to be the playoff push. Let's make sure we get a guy that um, – let's make sure we get somebody in here that we feel we feel good about. And then as for uh, your boy Colbert, yeah, Adrian Colbert. He's another one I didn't realize wasn't playing anywhere. But the Bears suffered a couple – now, they're a little different because they're not going for the playoffs anyway. But, you know, to lose both Eddie Jackson and Darnell Mooney in the same game is rough.
1: Tux takes some of the women who sell lawsuits against Brown's quarterback to Sean Watson are coming to the game in Houston someday. Should this be a bigger story? Watson coming back at all?
0: It doesn't feel like a lot of people now, Jack. I can have like tunnel vision sometimes. Have you seen or heard people talking
1: about a lot about Watson coming back? Not really, just a couple of tweets that he's been activated, but nothing really about the big story of his first game being against his old team. I I don't know if that's, like,
0: something that'll be a bigger deal Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday as we get closer to the game, or if, for whatever reason, they're, like, purposely, you know, um, not talking more about it. But, first of all, it's wild that his first game back is against his former team like the odds of that it, it, the odds of that are very small if it's a coincidence right like that is a heck of a coincidence if that's really what it is so that's one point i would make yeah i don't really know what to say about the women going I guess good for them if that's what they want to do. If that if they feel like they're making a statement there, um, I'd say good for them. But I don't really know. I don't really know what else to say um, about that. I do know that it's really hard with everything going on to figure out like what to be buying for gifts these days. Or even like what to be eating because everybody's so busy. You know, you can only have so many leftover turkey sandwiches. You got to check out Freshly. You get delicious, satisfying meals delivered fresh to your door. Just heat and eat. No cooking or cleanup required. And Freshly's Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals are some of the biggest and best of the year. You get $175 off your first seven orders. My wife and I were so pumped when we got these because they've got so many different meals. It's just easier, right? It's just easier. Like Freshly Prepares fully cooked meals that arrive fresh, not frozen. It's a week of meals delivered to your doorstep. I love that they're perfectly proportioned. Which is cool because I need I need help with my 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 portion sometimes. Order today and get $175 off your first seven orders at freshly.com slash Ross for a limited time. They've got these awesome Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals. That's freshly.com slash Ross for $175 off your first seven orders. Freshly.com slash ross for $175 off your first seven orders let's get you an email jack ever wanted to ask an nfl player a question well here's, here's your, your chance. chance it's time to ask ross email address is ross
1: at ross what do you got all right first one's from jeff etherton he said just listen to your recap of week one yes i know i'm behind I wondered if you'd taken into account that American football evolved from a combination of rugby and soccer, both of which have an even more prominent ra- prominent role for kickers. It sounded like you would rather not have them at all. Is this the next step in the evolution of the sport, do you think? Or is it getting rid of the foundations from where American football came? Thanks.
0: Yeah, good question, Jeff. Um, yes, I am aware that American football evolved From a combination of rugby and soccer. So let's start with that. Yes I am aware of that. And. Yes they do have more prominent roles for kickers. And I'm glad. That. American football does not. But. I guess what I would submit to you is. In the way that. American football. So. Everybody kicks in rugby, right? Like everybody can do like a running kick in rugby. In soccer, everybody kicks. So the issue, Jeff, is that in those sports, it's just part of the game and everybody does it. In American football, it's it feels out of place in the scope of the rest of the game. So soccer and rugby, you know, any guy kicks the ball at any point, right? The rugby guys can kick it, whatever. When they're on the move, I've seen them kick it. Well, in American football, it's someone that doesn't do the other things, doesn't do the tackling, doesn't do the blocking, that comes off the bench only to kick. I think that's my issue with it, Jeff, as much as any. I'm just not a fan of the fact that it, it doesn't feel – it feels out of place with the rest of the sport. That is my issue. And soccer, it's just like part of it. Rugby, I don't know the rules enough to know, like, if they have, like, game-winning field goals. But I guess my issue – is that it feels like it is, um, I don't know, it feels like it is too important to the outcome of games. So many games come down at the end to a guy that didn't block or didn't tackle, which are really the foundations of the sport, right, the blocking and tackling. He didn't do either. In some cases, he's never done either. And then he comes out and decides the outcome. That's the part that I have a problem with. And that's the part that I'd love. I don't really have a great solution to get rid of it necessarily. Um, You know, obviously you could go for it. It'd be a weird sport if there was never able to get three. You know, it really changed the sport a lot. But I'd be open to seeing what a contest would be like, what an NFL game would be like with no kicking. I really would. Shout outs, by the way, Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakHouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com, Evergreen Economics, Vision Comics with an X, BackOfficeScheduler.com, and the greatest gift you can get anyone. Trust me. A front-page story all about them from MyFrontPageStory.com. Heads up, tomorrow we will have Greg Cosell. Fantasy Feast will be a little bit later today than normal because of the Dan Patrick gig. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, Rostucker or wherever podcasts can be found.